Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. So we're going to continue today talking about the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you still here? Yes. All right, because I got a great word for you today. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. So John 14 and verse 16, this is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. Knows what he says. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, speaking of the Spirit, but he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So today we want to continue talking about the Holy Spirit in you and who is the Holy Spirit. So just a little um, thing that you should know. The title of this series is called The Holy Spirit in You, and I named it that on purpose. I've done a lot of series about the Holy Spirit so far at our church. But I named it the Holy Spirit in you because my dad in the 70s, when he was going to Southern Baptist Seminary, he started reading a book by an Episcopalian priest named Dennis Bennett, who wrote a book called The Holy Spirit in You. Now he's going to Southern Baptist Seminary, and God bless the Baptist, because uh, they, they emphasize salvation, and dad got saved in a Baptist church. He was raised Baptist. He was going to Baptist seminary, but he knew there was more for him. They, there, was, there was more to receive. So he started reading this book by an Episcopalian priest named Dennis Bennett about the Holy Spirit in you that talked about this experience that we're talking about in this series called the baptism and the Holy Spirit, or being spirit-filled. And this uh, Episcopalian priest started talking in this book about why you need the Holy Spirit in all his fullness and you need to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is all over your Bible, which we're going to talk about today and then the next several weeks. And so dad was reading that book when he got spirit filled, when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, because of that book, that changed the course of dad's life. Radically, you know, he got the left foot of fellowship from the Baptist because he wasn't a Baptist no more. He was a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-casting out, healing-believing believer, just like the people in the Bible did. And it changed the course of his life. So then it changed the course of mom's life, changed the course of their direction but it changed the course of all of our lives because we wouldn't know each other, guys, without that book. There would be no church on the rock. There'd be another church probably somewhere, but we wouldn't be there. But there would be no church on the rock without the book, The Holy Spirit in You by Dennis Bennett. Now, I think you can still find it on Amazon. I was looking at it recently. You can find some old copies of that book by Dennis Bennett, who was Episcopalian priest during the charismatic really renewal. So that's why I named the title Holy Spirit in You. I thought you'd like to know that because that title's significant because without that book, mom and dad's life would have never been the same. And uh, without that book, there would be no church on the rock. We wouldn't be the church we are today that's spirit-filled without that book, the Holy Spirit in You. Are you with me so far? Okay. So we're going to talk today again about the Holy Spirit. And really this series is twofold. It's twofold. 
I'm trying to establish uh, who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and why he's important to us as believers. But also, the second part of this is we're talking as well about the baptism in the Holy Spirit or being spirit-filled, which is in the Bible talks about it's a secondary experience after salvation. So it's really twofold. I'm talking about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does and why it's important. But we're also talking about in this series, not just today, this secondary experience called the baptism in the Holy Ghost or being spirit filled. Now, I want to make this very clear that even if you don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you're not spirit filled, doesn't mean you're not saved. I need amen in here. There's a lot of denominational people who are saved. They received Jesus, but they have not received this secondary experience in the Bible called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They're saved. They're going to heaven. But I want to make this very clear. There is a secondary experience for all believers called the baptism in the Holy Ghost that you need that is a gift from God. Are you with me today? That's important to note. So we see at salvation, when you repent of your sins and ask Jesus into your heart, this is what happens. The Holy Spirit comes in you for salvation. So just doing that, you are saved and the Holy Spirit lives in you. But there's a secondary experience called the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Or being spirit-filled is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you for service. So at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in you for salvation. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when he comes upon you for service. Now, when he comes in you, that's for you. But when he comes upon you, that's for other people. But they're both a gift from God. And we need them. Now, let me be very clear about this again, because I I don't want to talk down to people that are not spirit-filled. Now, if I talk confidently about it and boldly about it, it's because this is all I know. I've been spirit-filled 34 years and nine months at this time in my life. This is all I know. I've never not been in a spirit-filled church, so it's normal to me. That's why I talk confidently about it. And I know the scriptures about it. But I don't want to ever, and I know it's hard because there's a a thin line here between saying that you need it and it's for you and not saying that people that don't have it don't have what you have. (laughs) I I love the way um, Pastor Chris Hodges said, said it like this. He said, the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me a better me. So people that aren't spirit-filled, I love them. They're saved. They're going to heaven. It doesn't make me better than them that I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it makes me a better me. And I will never apologize for saying this. I love them, but they are missing out on a gift that God could give them. That doesn't mean I'm better than them, but it means they haven't received a gift that I've received that they could have too and they need. 
And so as a spirit-filled church, we need to never apologize for talking about it, not putting people that don't have it down, but we got to be honest about it. They need it, just like we all need it, because it's a gift from God for everyone who believes. It is. And there's no way around it. If you have not experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and are spirit-filled, you are missing out. You are. There's no way around it. I love you. You're going to heaven. But you're missing out on the fullness that you could be experiencing in God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on, I need you to help me this morning. So being spirit-filled doesn't make me better than you. It makes me a better me. Last week, we talked about the power of Pentecost. We talked about on the first day of the church, what happened on that day of Pentecost. And it said that they were all together, the early church, in that upper room. And then it said the Spirit of God came in that room. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues. That was the first day of the church. And last week, if you were here, the main theme of the message was when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, the main thing he brought was power. And I want to tell you the overarching theme of why the Holy Spirit came is to give you power. The Bible calls that word dunamis, which is the word where we get dynamite from. It is divine power explosive power and when you get the Holy Ghost you get power you get power to live a new life you get power to overcome temptation you get power to do greater works you you get power to to do supernatural things you get divine power to do everything that God has called you to do that you cannot do in your own strength without the power of God to do it So when you get the Holy Ghost, you get power. And that's what we talked about last week on the power of Pentecost because when the first day of the church happened, the Holy Spirit came, and when he came, why did he come? To give us power. It says in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power. Divine power. How many know all of us in here, we need some power? Because we can't do this life on our own. We, we can't live right on our own. We can't have a sound mind on our own. We can't do the supernatural things in the Bible by ourselves. We can't do that. We, we, we can't do anything that God has called us to do without some power. We can't be the church that Jesus has called us to be without some power. What are we going to do? How are you going to help somebody if you got no power? You know, that's the sad part. With not being spirit-filled, so many people are coming to churches looking for help, but they don't got the Holy Ghost in all his fullness, so you can't give anybody some power and help when they come. I would say like never before, people are needing God's power. There's some serious problems in this world and in our lives, and, and, and we don't just need a pill to fix it. Come on now, somebody. And and we don't just need a new politician to fix it. And we we don't just need therapy to fix it. No, we need some power. God's power. And it's available. That's the good news. You don't got to earn it. You don't got to work for it. 
You just got to receive it. But how do you get that power? The Holy Spirit. That's how you get it. You still with me this morning? Now, that was just my intro. We got a long way to go. So, today I want to continue talking about who the Holy Spirit is. Now, I'm laying an introduction for in the next few weeks, we're going to talk more about how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and be Spirit-filled. But I want to talk today, like I said, it's part of the twofold purpose of the series on who the Holy Spirit is. Because if you don't know who He is, you can't receive Him. And we as believers in Jesus need to know more than ever before, you need to know why you believe what you believe. You don't just need to know what you believe. You need to know why you believe it. Because like never before, there's so many false teachers and false doctrine and people trying to lead people astray with a TikTok account in a podcast. (laughs) Acting like they have Bible knowledge. And if you don't know why you believe what you believe, they can talk you out of it. Pastor, I heard somebody on TikTok say this. Okay, come on now, somebody. Anyone can twist the scriptures to say whatever they want it to say. There's a lot of clever people, and they're full of it. They're speaking lies. But you know, a lot of church people are gullible. Why? Because they don't know why they believe what they believe. Because no pastor and no churches really teach them. They teach them a fluffy message. And they don't really teach them why you, sh- you should believe what you believe. Right. Not just what, but why. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Who is the Holy Spirit? Okay. A lot of people, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, get really scared and intimidated. A lot of times it's because of um, the Holy Spirit's not talked about in a lot of churches. The Father is emphasized. The Son is emphasized, but the Spirit is not talked about. There's a book written a while back called Forgotten God about the Holy Spirit, because it was like, he's part of the Trinity too, but he's the one who's left out all the time. He's forgotten about. A lot of times because people are uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit. They're uncomfortable talking about the Spirit of God because maybe they've experienced some things in church that were a little different or weird, and so they're completely turned off by that. But we need to understand who the Holy Spirit really is. And he's not the weird, creepy uncle of the Trinity. It's like there's the Father and the Son. And then there's the, there's the weird uncle we don't talk about at family gatherings called the Holy Ghost. We don't talk about him much. But I want you to know this morning that the Holy Spirit, the first thing we want to talk about on who the Holy Spirit is, he is God. He is God. Now, the Bible reveals that God is three in one. He's one God, three persons. The Trinity. The Bible describes that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, this is a divine mystery. I know it's hard for our human brains to comprehend this, but we, re- we believe and we realize that, that God is one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. But the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, as the Bible says, is God. Now, 
he's not lesser than the Father, lesser than the Son. He is equal to the Father, equal to the Son. He is God, just like the Father and the Son are God. Now, that's what you should believe about the Spirit of God. Now, we realize that the Holy Spirit has all the divine attributes that God has in the Bible, if you read about it. The Holy Spirit is eternal because he's God. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful because he's God. He's omniscient, means he's all-knowing because he's God. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere present because he's God. The Holy Spirit is God, just like the Father and the Son is God. So, speaking about the Holy Spirit, you need to understand that he is God. And in reality, we are living in the day and the age of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that after Jesus was resurrected, he ascended back into heaven. And the Bible says that the Father is in heaven and the Son is in heaven, but the Spirit of God came down to earth and has been here since the day of Pentecost, over 2,000 years ago. So we are living in the day and the age and the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit now is in this world, but he is living in and upon all those who believe. But let's talk about this word Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of times, once again, why people get creeped out by the Holy Spirit is because the translators of the Bible who wrote the King James Version, which was 400 years ago, when they changed the words, instead of putting Holy Spirit, they put Holy Ghost. Because that's an old English word for spirit. That's the way they talked 400 years ago. Us modern people have a different idea of ghost. Can I get amen? amen. Okay. Don't say amen too loud because I'll know the people who watch horror movies in here. <laughs> amen. Ghost. I don't know all about them. You need deliverance. Come out in Jesus' name. But just by that fact alone, everybody's like, I understand the concept of father. That makes sense. I understand the concept of son. And then you say, Holy Ghost. What you talking about? We're talking about a ghost up in church? I don't want no Casper the friendly ghost around me. That's creepy. That's weird. We don't, we're afraid of ghosts. And because the King James Bible turned the word spirit into ghost, it's stuck. And so a lot of people were scared of the Holy Ghost because it makes you feel like, woo, Holy Ghost. But the real word is spirit. It's spirit. Now, it is funny to me. Now, this is just an observation as being in a spirit-filled church my whole life. That, like, denominational churches and Christian churches say Holy Spirit. You know, because, like, it's more proper. Sounds nicer. But you got Pentecostal charismatics. We always say Holy Ghost. It's just funny to me. Because... They all say Holy Spirit, but Pentecostals say Holy Ghost. I don't know why. There, there's, there's a little edge on Pentecostals, I guess, that feel like they got to be old King James Version. We got to say Holy Ghost. It sounds like a little more power to me. I don't know. We say Holy Spirit, and they say Holy Ghost. 
It's different. It's different. That's just an observation. But in the original language, the word is spirit, Holy Spirit. Now, this is what the word spirit means. In the um, Old Testament, it's written in Hebrew, and the word is ruach. Ruach. Now, you, to really say it the way that the Hebrew people say it, you got to sound like you're, you're coughing up a loogie. <laughs> when you say ruach. But that's the word in the Old Testament in Hebrew for spirit. And the word ruach means breath or wind. That's what it means, spirit. Now, in the New Testament, it's the word pneuma. It means the same thing in the Greek language. It means breath or wind. So, so that's all it means. That's what the word was given to the Holy Spirit. Breath or wind. It is the spirit of God. He's unseen like the wind, like your breath, but he's not unreal. Just like the wind is powerful and you can't see it, but you see the effects of it, so is the Spirit of God. Just like the breath in your lungs, you can't see it, but you need it for life, so is the Spirit of God. That's where they got the word spirit. It means breath or wind. Just very basic definition. Like I said, in the Old Testament, it's the word ruach in Hebrew, and then the New Testament in Greek, it's pneuma. Now, there's a reason I'm giving you those definitions to get the stigma of weird, creepy stuff away from the Holy Spirit. Like if somebody gave you some actual definitions, maybe you wouldn't be so freaked out about it. Kind of like last week we talked about what the word Pentecostal means. It means 50. Day of Pentecost. Weird. Right, guys? Because it was 50 days after Passover. And if we say, for instance, that we're a Pentecostal church, all that means is we believe in the thing that happened at the day of Pentecost. And we believe that's for today, which all believers should. Is it all right that I teach you for a second? Now, we see that the Holy Spirit is moving all throughout the Bible, all throughout creation from the beginning to the end because he's God. We're still talking about the Holy Spirit's God. Let's get a verse up here. Genesis 1 and 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the waters. And notice this, second verse, second verse in. And the Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit, at the beginning, because he's God, was hovering over the surface of the waters. We see the Holy Spirit in creation. Waiting to move, waiting to move and do what the Father and the Son. Just in the first few verses, because he's God. Now look at the end of your Bible, Revelation 22, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this come. Let anyone who's thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And Revelation is written at the end of the Bible, talking about the future. And notice it ends, in the last few verses, it says the Spirit. Talk about the Holy Spirit and the bride. That's the church. That's us. That the Spirit and the bride, the church and the Spirit, have to finish the job for Jesus to come back. That's what it's saying there. So we see the Holy Spirit is God. He's in the beginning with God creating, and he is God. And we see him at the end of your Bible 
moving through the church to accomplish the mission of God on the earth. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, the Spirit of God is mentioned. He's mentioned in times, especially on those in leadership, He would come upon them to do what they were called to do. A lot of times the Bible would say that the anointing came upon them. The anointing was the Spirit of God. It said that sometimes in the Bible that the hand of the Lord would come on somebody. That's the Spirit of God. And every time that's mentioned, the Spirit of God would come upon people to do things for God that they could not do in their own strength. That's why the Spirit of God came upon them, to do a great purpose for God. And it's no different in the New Testament where we live today. The Spirit of God is still coming on people to do what we can't do in our own strength. To change things in our life that we can't change. To do things that we can't do. To accomplish His will that we can't accomplish in our own strength. And that Spirit of God is still coming upon us in His fullness today. He still is. He's still anointing people. His hand is still upon people. He's still coming upon us to do what we can't do. But it's not just on certain people. The Bible says now the Holy Spirit could come upon all of us. Not just a select few because the Holy Spirit is for all of us. That he could come and live and abide with us and in us and upon us forever. Now, in the Old Testament, it was a little different because the Spirit of God would come upon them and then it would lift. It would come upon them and it would lift. But we don't live in those days. The Holy Spirit now lives and abides in us forever. So let me read you um, another verse out of the Old Testament about the Spirit of God, which is one of my favorite verses. It's in Ezekiel 36 in verse 25. Ezekiel was a prophet. In the Old Testament. Listen to what he says. Speaking prophetically about the days that we live in today. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. And your filth will be washed away. And you'll no longer worship idols. And notice this. And I will give you a new heart. Now, he's talking about the days that we live in today. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Verse 27. And I will put my spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit in the future, in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. It's one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament because it was prophesying on the day and age where all of us live today. That the Spirit of God would come and God would give us a new heart and a new spirit. And he would send his spirit to come live upon us and in us and give us new desires and give us new want-tos. And that we could listen to God and actually do it and that we could have the power to do it. And we're living in those days today. But it was prophesied in the Old Testament by Ezekiel and the rest of the prophets for the day that we live today. You still with me today? We're still talking about the Holy Spirit is God. That's who he is. Let's read John 14 and verse 16. John 14 and verse 16. 
This is Jesus speaking about the Spirit of God. Notice what he says. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, Jesus speaking about the Spirit of God many, many times before he went to the cross and resurrected, he kept telling his disciples, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you another one. I'm going to send you another one who's just like me. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you. He's going to be in you and upon you. And he's going to help you do everything I've commanded you to do. And you can't do it without him. But don't worry about it because you're not going to be without him. But you need him. Now, if Jesus said you needed the Spirit of God, then you need the Spirit of God. Once again, that's what I don't get about certain denominational people that act like they love Jesus. Well, the one you say you love said you need the Holy Spirit. And you want to keep talking about Jesus, but this Jesus said, I'm going away. You need the Holy Ghost to help you do what I've called you to do. And that's the time and day and age we're living in today. The age of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said you need it. Now, I read this recently, and I love this. It says that God the Father's gift to the world was the Son. But God the Son's gift to the church was the Spirit. He's a gift for all of those who believe. And we need him. And we don't just need him in us. At salvation, we need him upon us for service. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit now more than ever. So the Holy Spirit is God. I want to tell you something else about the Holy Spirit because we're talking about who he is. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. Now, I want to really, 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 really Really, emphasize this today. The Holy Spirit is a person because if you don't believe he's a person, you won't relate to him as a person. It will hinder your relationship with the Holy Spirit of God unless you know that he is a person. Now, why am I emphasizing that? Because in churches like ours, charismatic, spirit-filled, Pentecostal that emphasize the Holy Spirit a lot of times we don't talk about him as a person we talk about the things that he does when he comes upon people that that's him can I go there because I'm going to go there whether you wanted me to or not but you need to realize the Holy Spirit is a person he's not the force Mm. I watched a lot of Star Wars in my life. He's not the force. He's a person. He's not just a feeling. He's a person. 
Now, now let me tell you some things that, that happen actually more frequently in a church like ours that emphasizes the Holy Spirit in all his fullness. And people say, they got the Holy Ghost. So if you're in worship and you start crying, everybody's like, they got the Holy Ghost. They got the Holy Ghost. Now, the Holy Ghost is a person. He's not crying. But the Holy Spirit says he is a person. When his presence comes upon you, you're going to react if you're sensitive to him. But he's not crying. He's a person. You, you with me so far? Because we need to make the distinction. You're just feeling the effects and the byproduct of his presence on you as the person when you cry. But just crying doesn't mean... You got the Holy Ghost. You cry at a graduation. You, you cry at a Nicholas Sparks movie. I mean, you, you cry at Hallmark commercials. Come on now, somebody. Just because you cry doesn't mean it's the Holy Ghost. Okay. But we need to understand the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not crying. Now, if you're sensitive to him, I, I feel like a lot of times when his presence comes upon me, I do want to cry. But he's not crying. But he can be felt. The Holy Spirit is tangible. He can be felt. He can be experienced. And, and we need to never forget that. And I'm, I'm 100% for faith. We're faith people, but sometimes faith people have gotten too cold and too callous. Like, it's not about what you feel, man. Just do it by faith. Dude, you need some feelings. You need to cry some. You need to laugh some. You need the Holy Spirit to come upon you. No, the Holy Spirit can't be felt. We don't live by our feelings. Just because you didn't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. But we need to never forget the Holy Spirit can be tangible and present on your life every day. That you can feel him. That you can talk to him. That you can experience him in his power. And I know there's times in our life that we maybe not feel it as much. Yeah, we need to be by, walking by faith. But we need to never get so cold and callous and like, I'm just going to do it by faith, bless God. I don't feel nothing. <laughs> and you need something. And you're living far beneath what the Holy Spirit has provided. He wants you to feel something. He wants you to experience something. And it can be tangible. It can be. Just like Brother Les said this morning, when you got up there and you were, you were talking this morning and you said, I, I felt the Holy Spirit, as soon as you said that, I felt that too, right when you said that. Now, what was that? That was the Holy Spirit's presence because I started to feel like I was going to cry for a second. That's because his presence is here and it can't be felt. It's tangible. Here's another thing. When people take laps at church, which, which some of you could use that. You really could. I'm not joking. I'm speaking this into our church. We're getting back to being a responsive church. We've gotten too cold, too stiff, too proper around here. And we need to get back to really responding to what God is doing. In the worship and the preaching. You would get a lot more out of it. 
You would. And, and God could do way more in your life, but a lot of you are so resistant during worship and the, the preaching time, no wonder you're not getting much out of it. Because I'm not going to move. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. Okay, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to force his will on you. You can resist him, the Bible says. It's getting quiet in this church. I'm serious. We're getting back to that as a church family. I'm saying this right now. We're getting back to that as a church family. Responding in worship, responding during the preaching, responding because God wants to move, and he's not going to move in a place that everybody's stiff-necked, hard-headed, cold and callous, and got their arms crossed like we're too proper and educated and dignified to respond to God. And COVID didn't help either. We were out of church for too long. Everybody got real cold because they were sitting on the couch watching TV. We're not at home anymore, praise God. We are at the house of God. So don't act like you're sitting on the couch this morning. Act like you're interested. That was free. That wasn't in my notes. We're getting back to it as a church family. We are. Because God wants to do more stuff, but he won't do it if we resist him. Talking about a lap. I was talking about a lap because everybody could use a lap or two in here. I mean, for physical reasons, for starters, <laughs> I didn't mean to talk about your physical health, but looking at most of us in here, we could probably use a lap or two. But for spiritual reasons, <laughs> laugh with me this morning. It's good. <laughs> You get, you get both needs met. You're like, I made my steps for the day. And I responded to the Holy Ghost. Spiritual and physical health. That's awesome. You got it knocked out at the same time. Now, hear me this morning. When people take a lap, people say, well, they got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> well, once again. Taking a lap doesn't mean you got the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Spirit probably came upon you and you responded that way because of his presence. But just because you take a lap doesn't mean it's the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is a person. Here's another thing. Goosebumps. It's like, ooh. God is here. Listen, you can feel goosebumps at Coachella you don't have to come to church to feel goosebumps. Because there's other spirits in the Holy Ghost that can make you feel some goosebumps. So the Holy Spirit is not goosebumps. He's a person. But he can be felt. Sometimes people laugh when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. That's his presence. That's his tangible presence. But just laughing alone is not the Holy Spirit. He is a person. When somebody prays in tongues or when someone falls out under the power of the Spirit, they say, well, they got the Holy Ghost. Well, they got the byproduct of the Holy Ghost's presence on them. But the Holy Spirit is a person. Is a person. 
You need to understand that. Now, I believe in all those things I just listed. And I believe we need more of that in our church. Because we need to respond to what he's doing. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is a person. Not just a feeling, not just an experience, not just falling out or speaking in tongues. He is a person. And he can be felt his tangible presence. Now, I'm still talking about the Holy Spirit as a person, but I feel led to share this right now. We, I just talked about taking a lap. Now, don't take a lap right now because I know it's forced. You're like, okay, I just told you to do that. Don't take a lap now. But I'm talking about being led by the Spirit of God when he's moving on you. You need to respond and don't resist it. Now, several years ago, I was experiencing panic attacks, anxiety, extreme depression, but I was having panic attacks to the place that I didn't even want to get up on the platform and play guitar or sing. I didn't want to get up and preach. Now, if you've had panic attacks, you know once you've had one, you got fear now that it's going to happen all the time, especially when you're doing something important. So I was thinking... Okay, I know I'm fine now, but if I get up there, what if I have one right there? I'm trying to sing and play, play music. What am I going to do if I just, like, pass out or I have to just run out of the building? So there was extreme fear. But this is what happened one Sunday morning many years ago. I was, I was having, like I said, extreme panic attacks, anxiety, depression, and I was feeling weird. So, I'd been playing guitar and singing. Now, 75% of you don't even know I play guitar or sing. But I was back in the day. And I was sitting over there during the offering, or, or some part of the service. I think it was during the offering. And I remember, I'm pretty sure there was a guest speaker that day. I feel like it was Pastor Cody was here. He was really preaching good. It was one of those messages and I've done this for years, being on the front, I'm thinking, why isn't our church responding to this? This is great. You guys are acting dead as a doornail right now. What are you doing? You're missing out. We got a guest here who's trying to move with God, and you guys are pumping the brakes on this guy. You need to respond. So I was over there in the, in the corner, sitting over there, but I had been having all these panic attacks, so I was feeling weird mentally, so weird mentally right then. And I was thinking, I was just tormented in my brain, just so much fear. It went on for months and months and months like that. And I remember, I believe it was Sean Pearson. He took off. Now, he's not a normal responder person. And as soon as he did, there was a part of the service that God's spirit was moving, the music was playing. And I was sitting over there, and I felt like God said, you need to take a lap right now. Because I was, I was being, fear and anxiety had made me start acting unresponsive at church. And, of course, my first thought was like, no. <laughs> I, was in, I was feeling so weird, and I was thinking, I'm not good. I'm on the platform. 
I'm going to go just jump off the platform and just take a lap right now. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to, because when you do that, you're going to be set free. Now, you could take a lap and the Holy Ghost didn't tell you that, and I don't know if anything would happen. Oh, then you get your steps in. And that hasn't happened many times in my life, but that day, the Holy Spirit said, you, because I was being super inward and weird and fearful because of panic attacks and anxiety, and I knew I needed to respond to the Holy Spirit. And when I did, I remember I jumped out off here, and I started taking a lap. And I was going back and forth. And then I went back and then I felt embarrassed for a second. But when I went back to my seat, I didn't feel that fear anymore. I didn't feel that anxiety anymore. I didn't feel that depression anymore. Something broke off my mind after months and months of being in panic and anxiety and fear. And not even wanting to get up and preach or even play music because I was so scared something was going to happen to me. Was it the lap that set me free? No. But it was responding to the Holy Spirit and doing what he told me to do. And sometimes you need to respond for him to move in your life. Stop resisting him. Like, what are people going to think? I'm dignified. I'm educated. I got money. I can't act like that in church. I'm not saying to be wild for wild's sake, but I'm saying if the Spirit of God is moving, respond to Him. If the Spirit of God tells you to do something, do it. Because there will be fruit in your life every time you do it. Now, I have not done that since. It's been like a decade ago. But when I did it, I got free. Because sometimes you just need to respond to the Holy Spirit. Now, that wasn't part of my message, but I feel like you need to hear that this morning. Because why? Because we're getting back to that as a church. We're getting back to that as a church. We're going to be church, a church people that lifts our hands. We don't do this. Uh-uh. We don't do this. We're not the frozen chosen. Come on now, somebody. You don't do it at the L game. Why do it at church? No, no, we're people that we lift our hands and we clap, and we shout, and we sing the lyrics because they're on the screen. And when, when, when the preacher's preaching good, we say amen, or oh my, or oh me, or whatever. We say something, and we take notes, and we respond. And if, if God tells us to run, we run. If God tells us to laugh, we laugh. If God tells us to cry, we cry. If God tells us to dance, we dance. Because the Holy Spirit cannot move on us if we resist Him. Now, the only reason He's telling you to do something like that is because He's trying to do something in you. He's not just trying to get you to act wild, to act wild for wild's sake. He wants you to do something because it will do something in you, set you free. These last 10 minutes were completely Spirit-led that I told you that information. But I really think you need to hear that today. We're still talking about the Holy Spirit as a person. Now, the Holy Spirit describes himself in the Bible. It describes the Holy Spirit in personal pronouns. It says he, himself, him. He's not an it. He's a person. 
The Spirit of God is said in the Bible because he's a person. He works. He leads. He guides. He prays. He convicts. He calls. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit has feelings. Why? Because he's a person. He can't be resisted. He can't be vexed. He can be quenched. And he can be grieved. Because he's not just a feeling. He's a person. And that's what I was talking about a little bit ago. Because I don't want any of us to have a church or be people that constantly resist quench and grieve the spirit of God when he wants to do something in our life. And this doesn't just apply to church. This applies to your personal life. Because the Holy Spirit's telling you to do stuff all throughout the week that could set you free and help you. And a lot of times we got our resistance up. We're quenching him in our life. We're resisting him in our life. But If we listen to him and obey, we'll receive the benefits of what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in our life. Look at this verse in Ephesians 4, verse 30. And we're going to close here. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own guarantee in you that you will be saved on the day of redemption. You still with me today? The last thing I want to share with you this morning is the Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a gift. Brother Daryl, could you come play for me and we'll close this morning. So today we talked about the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he is a gift. Now, Jesus in the Gospels said time and time again, wait for the promise of the Spirit. Wait for the gift of the Spirit. Jesus is wanting to give you this gift, but we need to receive this gift. Jesus said we needed this, so we need it. Look at this verse in Acts 1, verse 4 and 5. And shared meals with them, Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift. Receive the gift I told you about. The gift the Father has promised. Isn't that good? Let's read Acts 2 and verse 28. This is Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost, preaching. You have made me known to me the ways of life, and you will make me full of joy in your presence. I think I gave you the wrong verse, but I got it right here. That was my bad, not yours. Acts 2. Acts 2 in verse 38. There it is. Listen what Peter said. Acts 2, 38. At the end of his message, he was preaching on the day of Pentecost. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's a gift. And notice verse 39 says, This promise is to you and to your children and to those who are far away. All who have been called by the Lord are God.
Hear me this morning. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Jesus said you need him. Jesus said he's for you. Jesus said this is the gift I'm going to give you to the church, the Spirit of God. But then Peter said, once you repent of your sins and you receive Jesus, then receive this gift of the Spirit of God. And it says in verse 39, which we read, and this is not just for the day of Pentecost people. This is to you and your children and to those who are far off. What does that mean? All the people coming after the day of Pentecost, which we're still living today. This is not just a one-time event. This is for your children, your children's children, and all the generations to come. This gift is for you. He's for you. And he's for all that our God will call in the future. He's a gift. I want you to know that this morning because next week, I believe I'm going to talk specifically about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how to receive that gift. But the last week and this week, I wanted to lay the groundwork for that message because you have to be taught and have faith that he is a gift and he is for you before you can receive him. Because there's a lot of people that have tried to receive the baptism or the fullness of the Spirit, but were not taught. So when they tried to receive, they had no faith to receive it. And I don't want that for you. That's why we need to be taught about this, knowing that he is a gift for you, from Jesus, for everyone. But he must be received. Here's the last verse, Luke 11, in verse 11. Listen to what this says. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? The answer is no. Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? Of course, the answer to all those things is no. You wouldn't do that to your child. If your kid asks for a Lunchable, would you give him a python? No. <laughs> or you need to go to jail. If your kid asks for a juicy juice, would you give him a bottle of poison? No. But listen to what he says. He's trying to make a point here. Verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? But notice what He said. It's a good gift. If you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give you not just a good gift, the best gift. The best gift you could ever receive is the Holy Ghost. And if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to you who asked for him? And he's a good gift. And I just want this to be clear today because I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions about the Holy Ghost. There was a time in human history that they acted like people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit had a devil. Or if you asked for the Holy Spirit that something evil would happen to you. 
It's not true. What the Bible said, if you ask for it, it is the best gift that God could ever give. And it's good. He's not going to give you something evil. He's not going to give you something demonic. He's not going to give you something that's going to be weird and, and take control over your life. No, he's going to give you the Spirit of God. Who's a good gift? We don't need to be afraid of him. We don't need to be intimidated of him. We don't need to be scared of the Spirit of God. He is a good gift. And he's for all of us, for all time. And if God said, you need this gift, we need it. And don't be afraid if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you something bad. He's not going to give you something that's going to make you be bizarre. That's what a lot of people think. So they're like, I don't want him. No, he's going to be good. He's going to, he's going to come help you. He's going to come guide you. He's going to come lead you. He's going to come give you power. He's going to come be your best friend. The Holy Spirit is a good gift, and he needs to be received. You're saying, Pastor, are you going to pray for us today? No, I'm not going to pray for you today about that. Because I want you to think about last week's message and this week's message, and I want every one of you to go over these notes and these scriptures and think about them till next week. Why? Because when we get to next week and I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being spirit-filled, your faith will be ready to receive. And you won't have a doubt in your mind about it. You won't be scared about it. You'll be settled knowing this is for me. This is not a side thing. No, this is a main thing. And this is a good gift from God to me. It's not evil. It's not weird. It's not demonic. It's good. It's divine. It's God himself coming to fill us with his spirit. So that's what we're going to do. No, this is an anticlimactic ending. Aren't you going to lay hands on us, Pastor? No, next week I am. So you got to come back next week. But this is what I want to say. Go over these notes. Pray about them. Think about them. Read them. Get yourself in the place by next Sunday that you're full of faith and ready to receive. This is what I'm I'm going to believe that's going to happen next Sunday. We're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how the people in the book of Acts received. I'm believing that everyone that isn't spirit-filled in this church is going to get spirit-filled next week and receive this gift. And this gift comes with a lot of abilities. It comes with the ability to pray in tongues. It comes with the ability to do the powerful things that the scriptures talk about. But I believe for the rest of us in here, we're going to get a refilling next week. That's what the Bible says, that you can be being filled. So that's what I believe is going to happen next week. All the people that aren't spirit-filled yet are going to get spirit-filled. But you who have re- already received the Holy Spirit, you're going to get a refilling of the Spirit of God. So, come back next week. Did you get something today? Holy Spirit, He's God, He's a person, and He's a gift. And we all need Him in here.
If you've already received them today, I just want you to go into next week and just be more reliant on the Spirit of God in you than you've ever had before. Be conscious of that. The Spirit of God's in me. He's not, he's not far away in heaven somewhere where I can't reach him. He's right here to lead me and guide me and help me and counsel me and give me the power to do everything that God has called me to do. I'm not alone. He's with me and upon me. Isn't that good today? Can we stand up this morning? Well, I preach myself happy. Hey, you know what we're getting back to at Church on the Rock? Did you hear about it? We're getting back to responding. Did you hear that this morning? Right? We're getting back to responding. Did you hear that? That was the rumor on the internet was Church on the Rock is getting back to responding. They're getting back to responding. They're getting back to shouting and dancing and praising and taking laps and laughing and praying in tongues and laying hands on people. And all that biblical stuff that the Book of Acts Church did, we're getting back to that at Church on the Rock. We are. But I can't do it by myself, church. Come on, Mr. Jim. I said, I can't do it by myself, church. I can say that all day, but if you don't respond, we ain't going nowhere. I ain't doing it by myself, church. And this is not forced. This is not pushed. This is called, if the Spirit of God tells you to do it, you got to respond to it. We're not going to be a church that grieves and quenches the Spirit in this place. We're going to respond to Him. You know what the Bible says? When we respond to him in Corinthians, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom. Some of you need freedom. I see by the look in your face, you need freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. But not where he's resisted, there's freedom. Where he's responded to, there's freedom. Where he's responded to. We're getting back to that. You know why? Because we're getting back to our roots. Those Pentecostal roots. Charismatic roots. Those spirit-filled roots. Who knows? Y'all be wearing skirts and buns before it's all said and done. I'm joking. Hey, you know what? I'm going to just crack a joke. Ladies, don't be offended at what I say here. Brother Hagin said this about Pentecostals. And he... Mr. Jim, you already stole my joke. Okay, forget it. I'm not telling it now. No, he was saying he was saying about people, you know, some churches believe that ladies can't wear makeup and they need to put their hair in a bun, they can't cut it, and they need to wear long dresses, which is all, it's religion. It's tradition. You don't have to do that to be a Pentecostal. But uh, Brother Hagin said it wouldn't hurt to paint an, paint an old barn every once in a while. <laughs> talking about ladies wearing makeup so all right just joking just joking i didn't say it i'm just quoting him (laughs) oh man i'm just joking well let's pray today let's pray today Father, we just come to you right now and we thank you for this church family. We thank you for the unity that we have here in the spirit. 
We thank you, Father God, that we're growing as a church family. We're moving with your spirit. We're not quenching your spirit anymore. We're not resisting your spirit. We're not grieving your spirit. And we're not talking about being wild for wild's sake. We're just talking about responding when you tell us to respond. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom. Father, we thank you for this series. I pray that, that you would minister to people in this next week thinking about the Spirit of God, thinking about the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. May, us, may we come next week and receive all that you have for us. And I pray next week that the people that haven't been Spirit-filled, they will receive that gift next week because it's for everyone. And I believe that those who have been spirit-filled for a long time, we will be refilled, reinvigorated, reignited with a passion for the Spirit of God in our life. We thank you for it. We thank you, Holy Ghost, that you're welcome in this church. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome in our lives and our families and our children. You're welcome in our day-to-day and at our work. You're welcome in the car with us. You're welcome everywhere we go. We welcome you. Have your way. And we thank you that you are good and you're God. And we thank you that you're moving in us and upon us today. We thank you for that precious gift to all those who believe. The Spirit of God. What a comfort it brings to us today, knowing that the Spirit of God is in us. We're not alone. We're not alone. I want you to know this morning, even if you live by yourself, you know you're not alone. The Spirit of God's there with you. None of us should ever feel alone anymore. The Spirit of God is with us. And we take comfort in that, knowing that you're always with us to help us to lead us, to guide us. Let us know and understand more about you. Let us grow in our relationship with you. And I pray, Father, that this series would do that in all of our hearts, that we would be a Holy Spirit-filled church for all of our days, not to put on a show, but just to respond to your spirit moving. And, Father, we thank you when we do We will see the results in our life, what you do in us and through us and around us. And we thank you for it today. Father, I thank you for these people that you brought to Church on the Rock. I thank you that you love them and you're for them, and I love them and I'm for them. We pray that we would leave this place full of your presence, full of your spirit. We thank you for it today, and we thank you for each other. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said... Amen. Amen. Come back next week. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.